Sack and Jack. He's Sack. I'm Jack. I like that intro. Just yelling Sack and Jack? That Dude, it just fired me up right off the top. You're ready to go? Do you have coffee in you? Up in you? I do. Good for you. I don't. I don't. That's where usually this these roles are reversed. I know. Usually I'm all high feed and you're like, you just like pulled a kid off of a lawnmower or something. <laughs> um, no lawnmowers for, or kids for me. Phenomenal guest, Steve Gray. Yes. Rob's, Always great. Rob's class. Excellent stuff. Rob's is back from Europe and Steve, I, you mean? Oh yeah, Steve. Whatever, dude. I have it's I coffee, it. man. Hey, hey, I get it, man. Hey, we've been there. Steve's man. back from Europe. Steve's the best. Steve, uh, Steve's enjoying his time back, baby, in a big way. Absolutely. He squeezed us in for an hour. You're gonna hear all about that. Uh, I got a question for you, Rob. What do, What do we want to talk about? What do you think Mark Few gets more nervous for? Oh, a national championship game or reading a statement in front of a Senate committee? I don't think if it was a Senate committee, I think it's just the media. Okay. Like, well, on Wednesday, it, he was in front of a Senate committee led by Washington Senator Maria Cantwell, uh, in which he he's pretty much the point man for names, image, likeness. Now, the push for NC2A in general, college basketball, he's the guy. And you know what? It's funny, Rob. Because when you think of coaches who stand for Gonzaga basketball, uh, the two names that probably immediately, or three, four names that come immediately to head are Shashevsky or Roy Williams, Jim Beheim. Beheim? I would think Calipari was somewhere in there too. Okay. But who of, of those four, Tossin, Mark Few, who do you think best represents college basketball now and for the next 10 years? Coach Few. Right. So it doesn't make, I mean, it, it it's kind of like jarring. Like, oh, Coach Few is speaking to the Senate and representing all of college basketball. Well, when you break it down, it it actually kind of makes sense. And uh, he did a great job. Names, image, likeness. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast, I think you're pro players getting a little bit of coin. How yeah. many How many Gonzaga 21 jerseys did you see running around when you were a- Double zero. Double Sorry. zero. That come on now. How many double zero Zag jerseys probably do you still see today running around? I see a few. And and that's the that's the thing people don't understand is people want to say <clears throat> people want to say, like, hey, you're getting a free tuition towards a great institution. Yes, I understand that. And I there's a lot to go. There's a lot of gray area in this whole conversation, you know? Oh, hundred percent. But at the same time as a player, and when people want to look through a player's eyes, the hardest part throughout the whole process is you might have $20 to your name to like last you in maybe three, three days, you know, and granted you might get a meal from the team and that's always great. But at the same time, you're seeing jerseys that are going for $75, $80. And and what's worse is that if your family member wants one, you have to figure out a way to get it for them. Correct. And buy your own goddamn jersey. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So here's that is a real issue 
you know, because you then you you're kind of I wouldn't say you feel tainted or anything like that, but you feel like there's there's something like they're making money off your back in that in that mindset, right? Yeah, hundred percent. But if I want to play the devil's advocate, and I will because I've now seen the development side. The hard part is how do you manage to pay? or give likeness to other programs when they don't make as much money? That's the age-old question. That's why, yes, that's why it's taken so long. That's why politicians and college administrators, the NCAA itself is dragging its feet because how do you pay someone like a, a, a Corey Kispert who you could, you could crunch the numbers and make the argument that Corey Kispert brought like X amount of dollars Correct. to Dag University. And it's like, it's a good amount of money. How do you he's a student athlete, so is a sophomore cross country runner, you know, who who Absolutely. puts in the same amount of work as Corey Kispert. That I totally understand that argument. Um, but guess what? You could make that argument for the NBA. Like well, well, it is. Uh, Kawhi Leonard makes a ton of money. He puts then, in the, he puts in the same amount of work as one of the athletic trainers. Well, guess what? It, it's America and it's capitalism. No, and, and that's, like, but here's the thing. But then, how do you differentiate? And then you have to deal with like Title Nine. So is that male athlete going to get paid more than the female athlete? There's listen, a lot of gray I know, areas. I, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's just uh, one day everyone wakes up and goes, "Oh yeah, we should play." Um, where we should pay college athletes who are making our university a ton of money. I'm not saying, you know, boom. And then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden it's all taken care of. There's that, there's going to be some gray area. There's going to be some, some I's to dot and T's to cross. I'm saying it's not as hard as the NCAA makes it sound. It is no, it's not as hard as everyone makes it sound like correct. It, it can't be figured out. It and can if, be figured out. And if that then, cross-country runner doesn't make any money, that's kind of just how it goes because your sport doesn't generate any revenue. And welcome to the world. Um, yeah, exactly. Capitalism at its finest. But And I'm glad you're a part of that idea <laughs> of capitalism, Jack. It's good to see you coming back to the good side. Uh, anyways, um, like, and then you got Title IX, and there's a lot of things that are involved with all this. And then you got to think about, you know, you really got to think about, is this going to change? Like, is it going to be a monopoly? It's already a monopoly effect as is, you know, you got your prestigious programs that get higher athletes, higher star athletes, but are there, will there, this cut out the complete uh, middleman, like Cinderella Butler's, Creighton's things like that. Will this cut these programs out? No, I think it'll, I, I think I think the other direction. I think it'll create a more level playing field. So the number one overall pick is going to be Cade Cunningham, right, out of Oklahoma State. Correct. Like, what Oklahoma State? It's this the name image likeness thing is such that I think it would benefit you by going to kind of a middle of not to say that Oklahoma State's middle of the road, but kind of they are. But that's and, the difference. But here's it benefits Cade Cunningham to go there because that big fish, small pond, right? 
Yeah. They're going to sell a million of his jerseys, a million of his posters, a million whatever, not only for that year, but for the next five years or 35 years if he has a hell of a run in the NBA. Okay. If he goes to a Duke or North Carolina, he's one of like 15 all-time names that he's competing with. Yeah, but that's how you're going to – my thing is you're going to be able to buy those athletes off top. Okay. Great. Fine. No, so what? what, But but the thing about college basketball, Rob, still you're not – we talk about this all the time. You don't see a 17-year-old and be like, that guy's going to develop into an all-time player. Like Part of the fun of college basketball is seeing these guys develop in real time in front of your eyes. So, like – Joel Ai. Nobody wanted Joel Ai. Now he's going to be drafted in, you know, first round. Eh, yeah. I don't know about first round, but he'll be. Drafted. I think he should be, but yeah, okay. He'll be drafted, kind of thing. And we got. And let's say he has a 15 year NBA run. Let's say he's a like three, four time All Star. Gonzaga is going to start selling his jersey more and more, and he's going to get a cut of that. Oh, and, so you athletes that are still yes. former. Yes, I did not know that. it was. All, at- yes. Yes, 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 yes. It opens that the is... whole floodgate. So, so even any jersey now. No, from... I, listen. I'm just argue, I'm just making the point. I, right. There's there, there's a lot of red tape to cut through. We're not even close, but this is the right step. Well, 100. Guys need to get paid. I I don't know how you're gonna do it. I don't. I can't think about what's the best way to do it. Guys are gonna, but people, guys and girls are going to get paid and that's it, it's inevitable it, it, it's well deserved and it needs to happen it, it's just but i just there's i just know if i wanted to play the devil's advocate on the other side it's just it's it's going to be it's tricky it's just how do you manage through it and i just don't want it to be a monopoly where you're going to only see kentucky's yukons and stuff like that where all this money is going to come in to these certain schools and to be able to buy those athletes. That's I, the only fear. That's my only fear with all that. I hear that, but I think it's going to be more, I think it's going to be more evenly spread than you think, because I think it's going to be up to each individual athletic department to figure out, okay, how do we capitalize on this? And some are going to be better than others. You know what I mean? Some are true. Some are going to have better marketing teams, better, uh, like idea people to get their players out there to the fan, like just like anything. Well, you know, what's going to happen is you're going to see more of the hometown kids stay. Yeah. And maybe that's not necessarily a terrible thing. No, it's going to be a great thing because then it's just that those little like stories you'll hear, but you'll be able to hear like that hometown kid from wherever he'll be staying more in his, his state because he can get more marketing deals. So anyway, I agree with you. Mark Few, if you're a pro players getting paid, Mark Few <laughs> had a hell of a week. He looks very good. Uh, his quotes as follows <laughs> just a little bit. We are at a critical juncture in college athletics, and it really isn't an exaggeration to say the future of college sports is in jeopardy. We absolutely should have addressed these NIL name image likeness rights a long time ago, and I'm embarrassed that we're having to deal with it right now. He goes on and on and on. He says all the right things. I will tell you this. A senator running the show, Rob, out of Washington, Senator Maria Cantwell, I didn't 
I've been sitting on this for quite some time because I hate getting political and it's like people are going to hear this and they're going to be like, well, 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 what about this? What about that? Uh, Senator Cantwell, I'm not going to say is a fan of this podcast, but she's very aware of this podcast. Oh, really? I ran into her in, in Indianapolis. Uh-huh. And we were BSM, blah, blah, blah. Um, we got along well. Sat whenever it was. I think it was after um, the heartbreaking loss. So Monday night. And we were wrapping it up. And I was like, Senator Cantwell, can I grab your number? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I asked a sitting United States senator for Why, Why not? Like, Shoot for the stars, Jack. Like she was a chick at the bar. I asked for her personal number. And guess what? She like paused. She hesitated. I got her number. Talk to him. I have Senator Maria Cantwell's number. We texted the next day. No big deal, Mark Few. You have to dress up and put on your like nice little cute button down to talk to her, Senator Maria Cantwell. I could text her, pal. <laughs> How's that sound? So she's a fan of the show. I would I wouldn't say fan. She knows the show. <laughs> I I can't say that she listens every episode. And I I mean yeah. Yeah, well, she, you know, it, she knows it exists. I'll tell you. Well, that. that's good. That's a start. We're going. We, that's what. That's because of our fans. We got to give a shout out to all our fans because they're the best. They always give us mad love, and so she knows about this. So here's the thing: are you? Are we? Are we going to get her on the show? Okay, so when I met her, I that that was the guys, right? I was like, oh, let me get your number, and then it was like awkward for a second because she was like, why do you want my number? And then it, it was like, oh, because, you know, like, if we want to get you on the podcast kind of thing, like, I totally covered my tracks. And then she paused even longer, and she was like, all right. And I swear, it was like, yeah, talking to a casual person you meet at a restaurant or bar. You know they're humans. She was, yeah, I know. Senator, I, I, I just want to let you she, know. She like, rolled, she, like, rolled her eye and gave me her, her, her uh, personal cell number and guess what she's a droid lady oh we got the green bar green stuff green tag hey they're human it's like when you see a teacher out when you were a little kid you remember and you're like teachers they're human beings too like oh i didn't know they did social things (laughs) yeah you see them in the produce aisle yeah you're you're like whoa maria cantwell by the way head to toe zag gear could not be more like that's you know, well, let's get her on the show. So All right, she well, here, talk to, she's talking to the next governor. Here's the thing, Rob. I was very excited about meeting a senator and getting the, you know, getting the number and all that jazz. But I having Senator uh, who is you got too political. I don't know if it's going to be too political for us. I don't know if our well. I want to know what it I'd is. Lo- to be. I think you know what you're right. We should have if, yeah. if you have an well, opportunity well, to get a senator on. You have a senator on. Let's quit pussyfooting around. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Let's I know, get it I done. Know, I know, let's. I know. I know. Um, yeah. Then she could talk to the next governor. I'm going to be the next governor of this you're state. You're the next governor. That's perfect. Uh, our next guest is is Steve. Let's chat with him from the corner. Okay, one of the great shooting guards out of Gonzaga University, uh, Greek League All-Star, former French League All-Star, former Latvian League All-Star, 2015 French Just an All-Star. Just an All-Star, all-star Jack. Just an All-Star guest. Just an All-Star. All-Star hair, first team, all hair, Stephen Gray. 
Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> What's shaking, dude? What's going on? Yeah. Just another day. Just, you know, living my life out here. Just got back to the States a week ago. So now I'm just trying Season. to get back into the routine. Season 10? 10. Just finished 10. Holy. How, how many languages can you speak? Uh well one maybe english <laughs> how many uh, languages can you understand i mean like basketball wise you can understand bits and pieces of it so like greek obviously is pretty pretty strongly ingrained a little bit of french a little bit of uh the balkan language balkan yeah like the serbian bosnian oh, croatian no, i got you got you got you yeah. got you not Vulcan like Star Trek, Rob. No, uh, no, I was like, live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right, let's stop beating around the bush. If you were affiliated with Gonzaga University between uh, 2007 and 2011, you knew that Rob and Steve were were pretty much inseparable. You guys were a package deal. We yeah. were, but we weren't. <laughs> Very- yeah, let's like let's not get it twisted here. We were, but we weren't. Like no. We each had our separate, there was two, it's like a Venn diagram. There's two very separate, distinct circles, and they just happen to overlap in <laughs> right. common activities. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think, like, it'd be like uh, when we lived together, we'd go a week without seeing each other, like, you're living in the same place. Yeah. And then, like, other than practice, I should say, other than practice, we'd be go a week without seeing each other, and then yeah. it'd be like nothing's changed, like like on yeah. either side. And I think it's but still then, the same. Yeah, they're definitely still the same. And then it's like after practice, a lot of times, anyways, like you just want to get out. And yeah. So it's like you're not trying to see really anybody. So I mean, we would it'd be like a week just where you'd go to your room, I'd go to mine, and it would be. It wasn't like we didn't, and then we'd like. Like you said, we'd meet up or whatever, and we'd always be together. But at the same time, we weren't like, I need to know what Steve's doing all the time, or I need to, like, like vice right. versa. You, I'll see you when I see you. Yeah, I'll see you when I see you, and we'll make it work and whenever it happens. Yeah. When was your first meeting? When did the, when did the bromance begin? I was 15. We were 15. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Steve had committed. Yeah. And then they wanted me to come back for your visit. visit. An official visit. Yeah. And then that's where we met. Like my our junior year. It was like October of my junior year. Was that when it was? October. If you were like, 15, yeah. aren't you like no. a sophomore when you're 15? It was at least was that senior year? It might have been senior year. That October of senior year. No, dude, you committed like hella crazy early. Junior year. Oh, was this not with Andy? This was di- that was a different one. Andy Poling? Yeah, we went with we had a visual visit, visit with Andy. It was me, you, Andy. No, this Andy was a different, younger. That, Andy's and, younger and than Austin. You. That was Austin. Austin. No, <laughs> that was a different year. The the okay. first time I came down with Kristen. Right. See, I'm getting them all mixed up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Let's back it up here, Steve. So you commit to Gonzaga as a sophomore? 
Yeah. Summer after my sophomore year. Yeah. Isn't that isn't that kind of bad business? Don't you want to don't you want to feel wooed by the programs? I mean, for me coming from Chimicum and like for Gonzaga to show interest, I was like, that's all the wooing I guess I really needed. Okay. Um, and like I had actually just gone to a camp maybe like a week before at University of San Diego. And I think Ben Holland was the coach there. And they had just told me, like, yeah, like you can score, but we're just not sure you can really guard at the division one level. Yeah, so you've been our talking. defensive player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, I don't know how that's why he's not at out. University of San Diego anymore. Yeah. So I was just like, dang. So after they said that and Gonzaga offered like a week later, I was like, there's nothing else for me to really think about. So you commit as a sophomore as you, as you know, you get bigger and I guess your game develops with your body junior and senior year. Did you get attention from like UW and regret your early commitment to GU? No, I didn't regret it. I mean, I definitely got a lot more attention. I think part of it was I was able just to relax over the next summer and didn't have to worry about trying to impress coaches or anything so I could just go play. But I mean, I definitely had interest to like some pack 10, 12 schools i don't know what it was then but pack 10 pack 10 pack 10 schools um but i was good where i was at uh what pack 10 schools uh arizona ucla so, i think you so no, was huh so not oregon state like rob no i didn't have oregon state that wasn't uh the beefs i wasn't yeah i wasn't fortunate enough to get that one. Oh man so it's you two. Your class was um, was you two and Austin Day, and Austin Day was projected as a lottery pick. That after freshman year, I think early, right? Either it, it, I don't remember if it was after his freshman year. I can't remember to be honest with you, but I know. Uh, he was projected to be a first rounder after his first year. I know that for a fact. And uh, he decided to stay. And and you forgot Ira. Oh, Ira. <laughs> yeah. Ira came. Yeah. Ira was like 24 when he came over. Yeah. Grown man. Yeah. Steve, you were part of one of my favorite memories as a Zag fan. Yeah. Do you know the game I'm talking about? No. <laughs> you said so confidently. Uh, uh, 2008, your freshman year, so spring 2008, at Santa Clara. Oh, yeah. That was a really good game. Brody Angley. Yeah. Can you describe the last, what was it, like 30 seconds for the people? I mean, I think he had like... Brody England like had a huge game in that second half and like they were gonna beat us on their senior or for their last game as seniors and it was this whole big thing and I remember what happened. The Rough Riders. I think was it was it overtime? No, 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 no. no, no. It was the going overtime. Pargo turned it over or got blocked. Something where they had to take the ball out underneath our basket with three seconds left. Yes, they had the uh, they, they were up two, up two with the with, ball with the ball. the ball out underneath our basket. So we're denying, denying, denying. They throw it long. It gets tipped. Me and one of the other players, we jump. It gets tipped. I start chasing it down towards the sideline, 
all I have time to do is just basically catch, turn, and throw. And Brody Angley just came diving for the ball. I think to like try and celebrate early, you get the ball, you can slam it down, throw it up, whatever. And as soon as I feel him touch me, I just roll over, try and, try and take a dive. Ended up getting two free throws with point three seconds left. Dude, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, were you the only one on the court to shoot the free throws? Was it one of those deals? No, you know I mean? no, no. Because it could have got tipped in because there's like 0.3 on the court. Oh, court. okay. But I had, I realistically had to make them both. So down to at Santa Clara, mm-hmm. the Rough Riders in full effect. Yeah, ready to celebrate. There's no way this freshman hits two free throws. Especially like, I remember I've been working on my free throws all season few yeah with Bubba with Bubba with Bubba because I shot oh, you like, broke your arm and I yeah and I shot like 60 something percent my senior year in high school from the free throw line and they're like this is unacceptable yeah for a so shooting I, guard that's not great <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not great at all so I, I remember the know, first one the first free throw was a lot of rim a lot of rim on that rolled one. around yeah <laughs> a lot of rim uh yeah, yeah n- next one was net and then uh, Austin took over in overtime. Yeah, yeah, brought it home. How often are you reminded of the 2008 Steph Curry battle? Oh, all the time. All the hella, time. hella Zag fans bring that up too. I'm sure. Pops up in the locker room all the time. Oh, Steve, man, it's around March. Man, I was watching the Steph Curry highlights. That was you in the. the that was you the <laughs> like I get that all the time around. Tournament time, they started showing all the oh, Steph, Steph Curry did, yeah, and it's just like, oh, I saw, I think I saw you, Steve. What was that? Da, 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 da. I think so. people for you had thirty in that game. I had twenty-one, but thirty oh. sounds good. Thirty does sound good. Steph had thirty in the second half. Yeah, he went crazy. Is what is? Yeah, he, is he just had a bunch of people that just set mad screens for him, and like, yeah. and then these like two African guys that just rebounded the ball. All the time, they didn't even both. and yeah. didn't even look. They didn't even look to like score. They, I remember like the last play where it was like the dagger. The guy had the ball. He caught the rebound. Was literally was under the hoop, and then like kicked it out to Steph for the three. It was like, yeah. dude, what is going on here? It was a nightmare. It's crazy to think <laughs> that game in 2008 was the last time Gonzaga lost in the first round of the tournament. That is really, crazy. isn't that nuts? It's insane. I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, wow. that's nice. That's a nice <laughs> little bit of history. Setting records, right? man. Setting right? records. What um, what for you? What was like the best thing playing at Gonzaga? What was your favorite part about playing there? Mm. Part ah. Uh, I mean, playing our, all of our home games, there was, I mean, there was a couple of different things. Like, as far as the game goes, home games and just, like, the energy is <laughs> something that, like... No, it ain't the same anymore, bud. No, I, so I've, I mean, I'm sure it's not. But no, I'm no, just no, no, when no. we were there, like... The student section ain't the same. I think, Jack, you want to explain? Well, y- yes, I will, happily. So, Steve... Yeah. He's been overseas for quite a bit of time. He hasn't seen what the student section looks like. Now. It's it's not great. Um, and it's I not they, great. They kind no, of it's, take it's terrible. They take the 
like lower level WCC games for granted for sure. Like, you know, it could be Southwestern Missouri State University uh, in November, and that place would be sold out during your era, right? Yeah, right. Um, not the case for the Kennel Club anymore, unfortunately. And I don't, I don't want to like nerd bash, but oh, I, I will. I think it's I because will. it's a lot harder to get into Gonzaga now because of the success of the basketball team. I mean, other things for sure, but Gonzaga yeah. being awesome over the last five, six years, like elite awesome. Um, a lot more kids want to be associated with that, and it's harder and harder to get into school. And I, that I just think there's a lot of nerds now that go to GU. <laughs> there's definitely. I mean, they yeah, definitely they love like Gonzaga basketball. basketball. Yeah. Just to say this, Steve, if we're going to a Texas Southern game, okay, when we played, 1,200 students would be at that game, right? Yeah. We're lucky if we get 400. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about yeah. that. Jack. I don't Jack. know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe for like over Christmas break, for sure. Jack. I mean, you were, you were there more than I was, for sure. I've only been doing. Well, I'm just saying, four to five hundred, and then we're filling it up with regular fans that are just want to come in and giving them red shirts. That's wild. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what sustained success does. You know, it's complacency. complacency. It's a complacency yeah. thing. We get, you know, we lose our we lose our our fire to show up for our team. But I don't know. It it it's a lot different. It, it, it threw me off when I first saw it. I was like, why is the student yeah, section? That's one of the, that was always one of the like main selling points. Yeah. And you know, and that, it, 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 that is a selling point. I don't think the students understand how much of a impact they make on the game. And that's why okay. we, we talk about it all the time on the show, because it's like, no, you guys need to be involved just as much yeah. as, we put the time in. You guys need to put the time in. Just a little bit. And I mean, maybe with it being, you know, without being able to have, you know, the games here this last season, they'll come back and it'll be like a new sense of I hope appreciation. So. That's a good call. Maybe. No, that's a definitely good. Jack, are you in black and white? I was, dude, it's tripping me out. How about this? I'm in. I'm in Tahoe. I'm like, why are you putting yourself in black and, <laughs> and white? How weird is that? Artsy. It's never like this, and it's okay. in the back of my mind now because Speak uses all our video and puts it on YouTube. So I'm always trying to like look pretty, I, but now unfortunately, this is a bad look. I don't. Look okay, Steve. As hot as as hot as Steve. I run. I ran into your professor that took you to Africa. Oh yeah, Josh. There was an era where you decided to go to Africa and an era, <laughs> an era at Gonzaga where you decided to go. It was a little era, but you went and did Africa and the arts. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, refreshing, I guess is the best first way to put it. Like, like I look back on it now, even still some days or like when I get asked about it, it still feels like a, like a important thing that I did and that I needed to do. Absolutely. I think that it's just kind of impacted how I operate now on a certain level, as far as um, perspective. Open, yeah. Perspective on the things that I've seen, um, understanding that, 
you know, since I went to Africa and all these changes that I've had in my life for the majority of the people there, a lot probably hasn't changed. So just to be able to like still look back on that time with um, like no regret, because I think it would have been easy to then like, oh, if I would have spent more time on uh, folks on basketball that summer or what have you, what would have been different. But I think for me, the important thing was um, scratching like whatever that itch or that curiosity I had about, you know, the bigger picture, like the more universal view on the world, I guess, was kind of what I wanted to take from it. So still one of the best things I've ever done. For context, that was, you were going from your junior to senior year, right? Yeah. So that summer from after my junior year, I spent like five weeks, five weeks in Africa. So Steve at that point was pretty much like the face of the program going into his senior year. Yeah. He did what almost no elite division one basketball player. (laughs) And that is take the summer off and go to Zambia. Yeah. Um, Did you? Yeah, but that, I mean, how did how did Coach Few react? What was he, I mean, he couldn't say no. I mean, it's your decision. Yeah, couldn't say no. Wasn't real thrilled, and I understand <laughs> it. But like, you needed to go it. through it. Yeah, but I'm sure he's probably like, man, you had all this. Other, you have, I'm sure there's plenty of other time you could go through this and like figure it out. And then you only have one summer like that. Like, yeah, like I understand what it like how it looked. Uh, you know, for outside in. Yeah. Like I get it. Maybe lack of focus. I mean, I've had questions about that even, you know, the last couple of years, like, do you really like the basketball thing? Cause I know you did this in college and you did this just like, and at that age, you're 22. Like you just want to do what you want to do. Yeah. And for me, I saw a bunch of other students branching out, doing different things. And I thought that, you know, it's a shame that we're expected to just do this thing over and over and over repetitively when this is all we've been doing for, you know, the 20 years to get to that point. So I don't know. I just said it. I had it so basically you were using the Gonzaga education to broaden your your mental mindscape. Yeah. I mean, I thought if I had if I had an opportunity where this where you know my scholarship would cover something an opportunity for me that i wouldn't have otherwise then yeah i should like explore that god damn it steve that was so insightful what you just said there in terms of like you're you're expected to do to do this thing over and over and over day by day and live up to the expectations that others have of you yeah you know so i mean maybe the ones who continue to do that are the crazy ones and maybe you're the one that just was smart at the end of the day do you think going to zambia and taking that little break from basketball made you a better player for your senior year um i don't know i mean i think that it helped to kind of navigate this the, the year as a senior being the only senior and i think the the pressure that could have come with it that I didn't necessarily feel, I think was because of Zambia and to see like, you know, a different perspective and to see what struggle and hardship really is because 
I mean, looking back and just how awful like our run was my senior year at some points, you know, to start off in a hole to win even the WCC. And like, I remember we had dropped that game to Illinois and Seattle by like 20 and we were getting beat bad. And just to be able to stay the course and like eventually get a, like a split for the co WCC champs and then get to the NCAA tournament, which was a little shaky. I think that year, had we not won the conference tournament, um, to be able to handle all of that, I think, and navigate that without being too hard on myself or crazy on myself about, you know, how the year played out. I think, I think that helped. I don't know if, you know, skill wise, basketball wise, it was super beneficial. You, you live and you learn, man. Yeah. Yeah. You, live well, and you learn and, and, and you needed it. I don't know. You probably needed it at that point in time. You put so much hours into the gym already that, you know, it was something mentally. He needed it mentally more than. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it, yeah. Definitely what it came down to. You know, but yeah, he came back and was like walking around campus barefoot. (laughs) (laughs) How did you, you went from number 32 to 41 yeah i don't remember <laughs> why i i wanted to just switch it up you just wanted like, to just to change man i wanted to change like i i i was you going through a midlife crisis at 20 right i was getting out of the way early <laughs> just yeah I don't know why the number changed, but I've made the assertion on this show many times that I think Joel Ayayi is the best Gonzaga off ball offensive guard. And more than several people have come back and said that you were really, do you think you're the best cutter slasher without the ball in Gonzaga history? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I put you on the spot there, I but you mean, know, I mean, you that's that's what go ahead go ahead that was definitely a special part of your game yeah and i mean i i just studied a lot of film of different guys who you know at that time were better at it than i was i mean to come back one of the summers and to hear that the pendo cut got renamed a a cut that was always this is what pendo used to always do so i started doing it because he was getting easy baskets that way so then they renamed it after me for a, at least a stretch. So it's just like, I don't know. You don't really have your uh, a clear perspective on your own career and like the things that you were necessarily, you know, able to do. But I mean, if they name it cuts after me, I, I was pretty good at it, I guess. You were doing something right. How much Gonzaga yeah. basketball have you been able to watch the last few years? Um, I mean, I watch as much as I can. Like, I was able to catch a few of the games this year live. Most of the time, I just have to do, like, replays. Um, just watching the day after, a couple of days after. Uh-huh. They they take – the guys take the game a little bit more seriously than we do, I think. <laughs> or maybe – I think – I should say they take the off-court events yeah. a little bit more seriously than we do. Yeah, I mean, they kind of have to the way – you know, it's – 
things have changed. There's a lot more attention spotlight. Right. So it comes with it, I guess. Yeah, no, I don't happy want to that see way. that they're I'm happy to see that they're doing a pretty solid job with it. <laughs> uh 2011 steve you go undrafted uh you know you do the overseas thing you've had an illustrious overseas career i read about it a little bit all-star in three different leagues at least three different leagues right mm-hmm. 10 yep. years later but for what like four or five straight summers you were getting involved in um nba summer league like a lot of players at your at your level do can you describe that grind, what it is to go to Vegas every summer and just kind I mean, of bounce and try to catch a contract, you know? You're just in there with a lot of just, like, hungry dogs, man. They just are, like, <laughs> egos. Everyone needs to show what they can do with a couple of minutes that they're going to get to show it. The G League in a small period of time. Yeah, and it's just for every – so then you have guys coming from overseas who had seen guys in the G League hoop in – and now they think they get to come in and just do their t- – it's it's a lot. It's and selfish it, basketball. Yeah, and if you're not, like, really, like, ready just to be about that and just, like, say, F all these guys, like, it's a, it's just time for me to go. Like, it's going to be a struggle. And no so question. for me, like, whose game, you know, predicates a lot on other people setting screens or being able to give you the ball, it wasn't always easy. So, you know, after a few summers, I had said and decided that I was done. Um, And then after I led France in scoring, like the assistant GM for Brooklyn wanted me to come in. And I, but at that point, I'd already said, you know, like I was kind of over it. But after that, that was the last one. Who was the biggest, who was the biggest consistent asshole in uh, summer league? Or if you have one summer where you had a teammate who was like the worst in playing the kind of ball that you were describing. Damn, Jack, you're yeah. gonna just have right. that put yeah. this guy yep. on like I am just have him call him out. And... Yep. I mean <laughs> You don't need to say names. Don't, no, don't listen to I'm Jack. About it and I just like like not the biggest, but just like someone who thrives in that uh that atmosphere. Cool. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's Pargo. I was on one of the highlights that he has from Summer League where he, like, crossed over someone, did a little spin, no-look pass to a guy cutting down the lane lane for a dunk. So it's not, like, necessarily, like, he's not an asshole or anything. His (laughs) personality is, like, because the way he played in Summer League is the way he plays all summer long. Oh, he's just... He's just going to talk. He's going to show you and you're not going to show him up. And so it's just like, that's, that's someone that, you know, does well in that situation. That 2015 season, you mentioned when you led uh, the French league in scoring, how, why did everything click that year? Uh, what was going right? I and why know. didn't you, why didn't you win MVP? Because, <laughs> Uh, the team that we were on was doing pretty bad. Ah. Um, I mean, we had we had Irv Walker who was played at Florida. We had Chris Joseph out of Syracuse. We had like a solid team. Damn, those are two good names. I know. And then me and Irv, we were number one and two in the league in scoring. And so, like the last like stretch, 
he started to not shoot as well. So I was able to catch him and pass him like on the last like two days or something. But our team lost. We didn't win a game from January until like March or something. We went on a crazy stretch. That's Both rough. Like fourth place out of the playoffs. It's the only year that I haven't been in the playoffs since I've been overseas. And so that's why we didn't win or wasn't in the MVP running because our team was falling apart fast. And where in France were you playing out of? Dijon. What was your, what was your French experience? It was, it was all right. Um, when we lived up north, we lived uh, like 30 minutes from the Belgian border. And then just like the train ride away from London. So like that was really nice because we would have practice in the morning, go to Belgium for lunch, come back, hang out. Like it was a nice, it was nice. Okay. But, yeah. All these countries you've been to. Yeah. Best food. Greece. Like are you Greece. like a, are you a Euro snob? Like a like a gy- Euro gyro? Euro? Yeah. 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 Like I can't get a It'll be tough to get anything after having the ones in Greece. How many kebabs were you putting down a week? Uh, I mean, most of like if I could get, if I could eat it every day. To be honest with you, but you get a couple of them on an off day, late night snack. Like it's Any zambuka. Like no, is no. that Greek? I don't know. I Maybe good. worst food. Worst food. Latvia. My first year, has to be, my, huh? has to be Latvia. Yeah, I was my first year in Latvia was pretty rough. I feel like that, sh- that shit would be bland as hell. It was just potatoes, cabbage, yeah. borscht. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I know. Cabbage. There's no seasoning out there. It's no. just, it just sounds. Man, just, just mayonnaise for your fries. Like, just. Mayonnaise for your fries. Yeah. I'm down with that. I'm good. With, way to go, Lavia. Really? I'm down with that. Yeah. Oh, I'm a big mayo guy on all things. Yeah. Huge mm-hmm. mayo proponent. Uh, you were an M, uh, not an MV, all-star in the Greek League, the French League, yeah. Latvian League. The best all-star experience. Like, I'm sure being an all-star in those three leagues means different things. Yeah, France was awesome. France, they tried to do it like the NBA. It was in, um, they didn't like a big concert hall. My dad was actually able to come up. It's the only time he was able to come overseas because our daughter was just born a few months before that. So he just happened to. My man, Rob. Yeah, so he was just, he was able to uh, be there to see me in the All-Star game for that. But it was like real deal. I did the skills challenge three-point contest the whole show that works a Nike suitcase full of different, this is when it was, it's peak now, but it was the last year that it was Nike. So you get a couple pairs of Nike shoes, sweats. I mean, they, it was just like, it was legit. It was legit. It was, legit. was that the year DJ Stevens did that between the legs dunk over there? Remember, or he did some crazy, after, he did yeah. some crazy dunk in an all year after maybe. I don't think he was there when I was when I was there. But of, all the, of all the leagues you've played for or in, the best consistent fan bases. Greece. 
Yeah, they're throwing flares. Right. They got flares. And- when they yeah, when they come, when they come to the games, it's they're just so they're so passionate. Like we had, I'm trying to think, my first. So this is like three years ago. Um, they had let some fans in from the other team to our game just to have a little bit more support, atmosphere, what have you. We're up 20 in the third. And the fans are on opposite sides and they start rushing towards the middle around the bleachers. They're picking up chairs out of the off of the um, that are connected into the cement, throwing them at each other, punching each other. We had to stop the game for like 20 minutes to break the fans up. One dude got his face split open, getting stitches yes. in our training room. Like, yes. Yeah, it's it's in pure chaos. Just 100% chaos. They throw batteries when you're trying to warm up. What? Batteries? Like, yeah, they throw like little, take the batteries. and. Here's my question. Where do they take those batteries? Where do they get those batteries from? They just bring them coins. Like, they just, it's not like they're getting checked. Oh, there's no like security like at our. No. No. So these people are just just, coming in. You go out at halftime, you come back in at halftime, and they're just like sitting, uh, up top smoking their cigarettes and just like this little haze in the uh arena the crowd. yeah <laughs> and did you have any coaches smoke at halftime yeah the coach that i just had in um <laughs> i it was part of his routine after he'd give his pregame talk he'd just go into the bathroom run run the uh faucet and smoke a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> What is pregame talk? Teammates smoke cigarettes. Yes, that teammates smoke cigarettes at halftime. At halftime, before the games, before no, practice. that's awesome. They sit, they sit there and have a little like uh, they have their chair. They just put little chairs in there. They run the faucet, have a little coffee, smoke a cigarette, go to practice. It's like y'all are <laughs> wild. <laughs> Anyone drinking at halftime? No, Meta World Peace style. No, no. that's no. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been in an altercation during a game over there, or is there kind of like a brotherhood with the players? Like these Greek fans are crazy. Yeah. Let's no. not, yeah. Usually, yeah. Usually, I'm not. Uh, I managed to avoid altercations. <laughs> but my first was my first game in France. I just started with a new team in France, like my third year um, overseas. And there's like a minute left in the game. I don't know exact. Oh, it was uh, Daniel Ewing and our point guard started getting into it, bringing the ball up the court. There's a little bit of a shoving match. Next thing you know, other players are starting to push. Jawad Williams played at North Carolina on the team that had like Marvin Williams, Raymond Felton, Sean May. He gets one of my American teammates in a headlock. And is like choking him out. Our big man comes across the top, punches uh, Joel Williams in the face, gets broken up. They suspend our captain for like a couple games. They suspended the guy that was getting choked for a couple games. They suspended Joel Williams for like four or five months, I think. Why do they? The guy who's getting choked out. The, he's he's already being humiliated. I you know. Don't need you, you, don't need, you don't need you don't need to. 
Why do you need to find him or get our him out again? Our coach is trying to get him to go file press charges against him for uh, like battery or assault. He was like, oh, oh, my. I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a tough look. That's tough to come back from. Like, yeah. What are you gonna get a settlement? That's not worth whatever yeah. money you're gonna get for it from your your reputation. Yeah, exactly. yeah your yeah. reputation. You can't get that back. You can't. Yeah. No, not at all. So that was probably the cra- that was one of the crazier ones. It was like my second game, so I'm like, I don't know, like I don't know you guys well enough to really be fighting with y'all like this. But yeah, I don't. I I'm not putting my. Foot <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah. Oh man, that it, yeah, there's that's crazy. That's nuts. Some wild stuff. Stephen Gray, uh, do you know where you finished in the 2011 voting for WCC Player of the Year? Nope. I Neither do I. But you had to be number two behind Mickey McConnell, I'm guessing, right? Because who would have been number two? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think who else. Because we finished Co. I mean, it would yeah, have been, it was him and you, right? for sure. Yeah. And I think we've been spoiled the last four or five years with these ag teams just dominating WCC play. Uh, you guys were part of some battles with St. Mary's mm-hmm. teams. Yeah. No, those are, all, those are always a lot of fun. Well, St. Mary's was way better. They were definitely better. Diamond like, season. They, they weren't just like – they had all their pipeline to Australia. They had like a bunch of Australian guys. Um. They were just a better team. Sam Han was actually a legit, decent post player. He was um, Mickey McConnell, Deladova. Like shit, they had two NBA guys. Brad Waldo. Yeah. When did, when was the last time any other WCC team had two NBA guys? Oh, so I'm glad you brought that up, Rob. Well, Gonzaga, but I'm glad you brought that up uh, because I I've said this before on this podcast. I'll watch like a high school kid play and I'm, I'll be like, oh, he's really good. Is he going to go to like, I don't know, Northern Colorado? And they're like, no, he's going to do. I'm like, oh, you know, like I can't tell the difference between a, a really good player and like a great player. Just like, I don't know if it's the same for you guys. Watching college basketball, watching Matthew Delavidova, I'm like, there's no way he's going to sniff the league, let alone have like a seven, eight year career in the league. Did you have any indication going up against him that he was going to find success at the the top level? He was the second guy though during that because it was Mickey's year. It, it was, was Mickey. Mickey. Yep. So he was kind of like the guy who like the guy behind the guy. Yeah. Like you at, at, when we were playing against him, you definitely had to worry about him. But he wasn't your first threat during that game. You had to like, okay, are we going to stop Mickey first? And then we'll go from there. That's what I can remember. And then that's when he would get off. But then I think he had a good, what, senior year and whatnot. He had a really good senior year. But I think a lot of it goes into, like, the details. Like, when you can see a player consistently do a lot of the small things that necessarily you can't teach or coach – that's when you like when you can start to separate the hairs between like good and great players. Like I'm thinking back, I remember with the scout, they were talking about how um, I want to say Delhi was the only one who, if we showed out on a ball screen, could make that pass to the corner because we'd have to help with the mm. second man at the at the basket. Rotation. 
And he's like, he's the only one, but you just have to make it tough. But he's the only one on this team, like maybe in like on the West Coast that can make this pass. Throwing it from, you know, half court going towards that opposite corner just because that's the pass we were willing to give up. So, I mean, there were like little bits and pieces where you could start to see like, oh, he knows how to play. Like he understands it and he works hard enough that I guess I'm not, I was surprised initially, but not totally shocked now to see, you know, that that's where he's at. TJ McConnell is another guy that I hated at Arizona. He was a little bit younger than you guys, but I remember he was like the sixth man off the bench when Arizona was really good. TJ McConnell still playing in the league and it just pisses me off. Um, back to battles with St. Mary's your senior year. Do you remember that overtime Moraga victory, Steve, that you guys had to win yeah. in order pretty much to, I mean, I don't have a question. I'm just, I'm just yeah. asking in the corner. Oh no, I do. I remember, I think Marquise and Meech ended up having big games that game. So I think I fouled out. I think they had really big games. Dude, I can't even remember that game. It was my it was my first year out of college. And I remember it was a I was I had had a couple cocktails, feel, a couple of adult yeah. beverages. I feel like I fouled out and I feel like Meech and Marquise had huge games and that's why they ended up winning. Because they were hooper. I think they had, I think it was tied at the end of regulation and they had a possession to score and win it. And you had a stop and it was Damn. tremendous. And this is called Jack reminiscing about basketball from 10 years ago. Jack, I have no idea what happened during that game. You could have told me we won or lost. I have no clue. Fans remember way better than any of the players and that's true on any level in all sports like for you guys it's just another and it's not not to say it's just another game but watching it's imprinted on our memory so much more i think and i mean you guys are thinking about so much other things favorite games you know like when i think back to my college careers like that's not one of the games that i think you know that but what does jump out of your in your head I mean, personally, like the San Diego State game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's yep. the, the UConn game, my sophomore year in Seattle. Oh, we just talked about that one. Uh, yeah, that a good one. What about that Portland game? <laughs> Remember that one? Portland State? Which where Portland? we played Portland, not Portland State. I didn't, but where, I think we were down a lot and we came back. You remember that? One? Oh, the scene. Yeah, I remember that one. It was like we needed to win it too because we were like five and four or something. That year, we <laughs> had to win every game. Yeah, we did. We started off like five and four in West Coast Conference. And I was like, we're not going to make the tournament. We're not <laughs> like this is we're that team. Panic. I was and I I was so panicked. Oh, that's what I was saying. That had I not gone to Africa, I don't know if I could have like. <laughs> Handle that, that yeah. situation just and i mean i was probably like looking at that as part of it too like if we don't make the tournament if we don't win west coast conf like and this is on me and i went to africa i did, <laughs> they're gonna I did these plays they're gonna be saying this they're gonna hate me i'm never gonna live this down oh it was now it was they're, all they're going to finals uh, <laughs> and they don't even talk about that that year. So right. like, like, all, and that's at the end of the day, that's all I really wanted from that year. I was like, man, make the tournament. I think it's, 
Yeah, like it's not gonna, we're not gonna have one of those crazy runs, but as long as we're not the the blip on the radar, we'll be okay. Not only did you make the tournament, you guys smoked a pretty good St. John's team, didn't you? We did. Yeah, we did. Prepared well for that game. And then you ran into Jimmer. Yeah. And and Jimmer didn't and Jimmer didn't even have a good first like 10, 20 minutes of the game. No, it was the other guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Crazy man. Exactly what happened. Stephen Gray, uh, you're in Seattle now. When do you have to go back to the Balkans? I don't know where I'm going yet. Ah. But usually it's middle of August. So there's a zero percent chance you're gonna be at the battle in Seattle this year. Did you know the battle in Seattle's back? I did not know that. Mm, Alabama. I'm missing all the fun stuff. Yeah, you always are you. I mean, if they go to New Orleans for the Final Four this year, there's no shot you're able to make it, huh? No, I'm probably I'm three, four years out before I start making appearances at these games. That's fine. You do, yeah. you man. You can yeah. you can watch it, it middle of the night. Ride that um, bad boy out. <laughs> that's right. I think I know the answer to this, Stephen, but I have to ask you. Yeah. What's your stance on aliens? Oh, here we go. Okay. I mean, now we're going to get them talking (laughs) more likely than not. They're real. Like, I'm sure that they are and they're out there. What do you you think they look like? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. They listen to our show. They definitely do. They're big fans. I mean, they could be small little gray creatures or they could be like, just beams bolt like of light like we don't really know yeah i don't know if they take a shape in in like what we can comprehend you know what i mean i don't think we can wrap our minds around what they look like yeah but like there has sh- to be something you think it'd have to be something uh recognizable they sh- more recognizable they sure as hell exist hold on i looked up um i have some a um ufo story for you rob i'm looking for it now here we go but I need to toss it in there. You know about um, the Pentagon has to present to no. They've, they've given. They've come out with some bullshit. Have you heard their? Have they delayed it? They, no. Their whole thing is there may be aliens. There may not be aliens. They're not sure. Yeah, but they still have to do. No, that present, was what they yeah. came out and said. No, 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 bro. They've got a. They've got a real deal coming out soon. No, that oh, yeah. Jack, Jack, <laughs> that's what they came out and said was there may be aliens. There may not be. They're not sure. That was their, that was their whole deal. So then they just left us with where we're at anyways. Brother, brother, there's still facts to be uncovered. How about this? This came out earlier this week. You ready? Good thing you guys are sitting down. The former head of a government program involving UFOs claims U.S. nuclear facilities have been forced to go offline because of UFOs. Luis Elizondo is the former director of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, which was created in 2007, your freshman year, to investigate Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, or UAPs. Elizondo spoke Tuesday with the Washington Post and was asked about the UAP. UAP sightings above nuclear weapons facilities. He claimed there have been incidents where UAPs, UFOs, have, quote, interfered and actually brought offline our nuclear capabilities. 
top U.S. officials will release support to Congress about UFOs later this month. Where I mean, is this fuck? Where is this source? USA Today, pal. Or uh, no, Washington Post. Ever heard of it? Oh, boy. Oh Washington boy. Post. So, well, I mean, hey. We're here, man. I'm we're ready. here, aliens. We're ready. I got something for those little green bastards. <laughs> Steven, favorite, favorite alien movie, Steve? Mars Attacks. There you Bingo. go. If it if if aliens come down looking like that, I'm I'm we're we're doomed. We are doomed. Okay, <laughs> then go back then. We've done aliens. Ghosts. You yeah. believe in ghosts. I mean, I guess to an extent. Yeah. I mean, I don't like I'm not gonna sit here and say I don't believe in really. You can say you don't believe in it. You're, well, you're not going to hurt my feelings. You're not going to hurt. A- no, I mean, like, I get. I guess I know for a while I was like kind of just waiting for an experience. Like I figured so many people had like had ghost stories or ghosts, you know, weird things happen in their house or place of work or whatever. But I figured it was only a matter of time before, you know, you have your own. But yeah. since then, like, I'm out know. on I'm out on ghosts, and this is coming from a guy who just watched The Conjuring: colon, The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh, I I got 13 minutes left on it. Don't <laughs> tell me anything. Don't tell on, me anything. I'm out. I don't believe in any of it. Boom. Oh, oh, yeah. Now oh. we're getting into religion, and that's that's a different conversation. Yeah, ghosts, yeah. We stay away from religion and politics. Yeah, we show. stay far that's away good. from politics all the time. Um. Well, for on this scope, where do we stand on uh, Bigfoot? Uh, if you go on Vancouver Island, there's many sightings on Vancouver Island. Yeah. Multiple sightings. Have you seen one, Steve? I'm out on Bigfoot. No. I'm just, no, I'm all, all my chips are in on aliens. I've Damn. got no I, room I, for anything else. I, I think there might have been one maybe in the 50s, but he died off. Harry... Harry and the Hendersons died off. He couldn't find a lady. Yeah. And, I mean, you think Patty, right? Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think Bigfoot. You just there's just too many people, unfortunately. And I We'd think someone you, you would eventually. And there, I'm, I'm with these North Idahoans, and the way they hunt and track, they would have had a Bigfoot by now. What about you, so, Steve? You're in you're in all kinds of corners of the you're world. You're in the you're in, you're from the peninsula. You should that's yeah. thick forest. That's where he there's where Harry lived. No, I know it. Do you I have a big foot story? You guys are, no. Have you no. No. Thankfully. I know a couple of people out here who do though. And I've been meaning to get like to ask because I really am curious to see like what these people out here have to say about it. I'm uh, out. No, Not I just I, I I just know there's been like a crazy amount of sightings on Vancouver Island in Canada. Like it's a, a, it's like a real thing. Like they they yeah. From what I hear, like when people like they, it is a real thing. Like as far as as many people have said that they've seen a Bigfoot. Yeah, like there's been multiple, but. We're also now, like I said, he must have died in the 50s or something because <laughs> we're in an era with cell phones and you, you should be able to take a There's all these sightings 
you should be able to take a picture of this. You would think so. Yeah. You know. Yeah. A that I'll go one further. I'll call Bigfoot out. If you're real Bigfoot, I'll kick your ass. How's that sound? I don't know if you want to do that. I'm, yeah, you heard a Bigfoot. I will kick your ass. I I don't think he has a podcast, but you never know. What if Bigfoot's right. an alien? I oh whoa! Now I got to take a couple steps back. Okay, yes. With the caveat, if Bigfoot was born not of this world, we'll we'll be friends. Bigfoot, if you are an earthly being and you exist, I'll kick your ass. How's that sound? See, I'm not. I, sure. I'm not in the right headspace to have this conversation right now. I'll yeah. let you know. Yeah. I think Steve is. <laughs> I'm always good. Stephen Gray, pleasure was ours. Thank you so much for taking the time, buddy. Yes, brother. Yes, appreciate, yeah, appreciate you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate the invite. Happy to be here. Be a part of it. From the corner! Thank you to Steve. Thank you to Rita, who Rob was texting Steve for like a week, and Steve wouldn't reply. So... Rita got involved via uh, Instagram direct direct messaging, and she told her husband she he needs to be on the show. So thank you to Rita. Rita, always keeping him in line. Yeah, we appreciate you. We all need a Rita. We, we yes. need a Rita in our lives. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, all that jazz. If you like the podcast, great. Tell other people about it. If you don't like it, I mean, we'll f you kind of, but like. I appreciate you getting to this point. <laughs> uh, maybe like and subscribe still because every time you like or subscribe, it's a quarter or sorry, it's a grain of rice on the sacred table and he has three kids. Oh man, they're starving. Trying to feed those kids. Yep. So if you, I mean, if you don't like kids, then fine. Don't like them, subscribe. But if you're pro kids, maybe like and subscribe. Um, Rob, what do you got for us? I keep bringing this up. It's probably my still my favorite quote to this day. As a man thinketh, so is he. <laughs>